0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It's hard to know what to look at, play, buy next. And I guess that's the, the purpose of this podcast. It's to talk to my friends uh, about the games that we enjoy playing, to talk to the people who make these games, and to talk about major industry events. Now, a while ago, uh, we had great friend of the show, old buddy, old pal, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Peter Weston, and we talked about how to find models for some of those minor nations uh, in bolt action that... So sometimes you you look at that unit entry in the book and you think, man, that's cool. Or you read a little snippet about history and you go, damn, that's a cool unit. I wish I could make a force built around those. But then when you look at some of the major World War II manufacturers, you think, oh, there just aren't models for that. Well, the minor nations episode really dug into where you can find some of those units, some of those even armies, uh, entire nations, uh, where you can find the models, so you can field those forces on the bolt-action tabletop. Well, we did promise we'd be back with part two of that, and that is what we are doing today. Today, we're going to be digging into the major nations. Now, you might say, Brad, major nations... We can. There are models for those already. Why are we going to talk about this? Because there's more than one way to field a German army. Because there's more than one way to field an Italian army. Uh, And we might talk about Italians a little bit. Uh, There's more than one way to field British or U.S. What if you want to theme your force around a particular unit or a particular corner of history and the generic uniform for that nation just doesn't fit or the time period isn't what you want? Well today we're going to help you find some of those nooks and crannies of the internet to find the models to help you field the bolt action army that you want. And hopefully along the way you might find something cool that might spark uh, a little bit of inspiration to help you come up with a new army idea. Now if I'm going to go down the dark, dank, cranny holes of the internet looking for the best World War II models anywhere there's only one man that we can have on and of course i said his name before the man the myth the legend friend of the show my buddy peter west welcome back to cast dice how you doing buddy
1: very good. Thanks for that intro, Brad. Always great to be here.
0: Mate, you've got two fingers on the pulse. Uh, I, I've never met someone who knows more about what's coming out in miniature wargaming slash games slash, you know, where to find the models that I need for this, that, and the other thing, be it 3D printed or actual model in a store than yourself. How do you do it? Or am I not allowed to ask that question? <laughs> uh, well
1: i know my wife's not listening so it's probably safe to answer the main reason is because i've probably thought about building every one of these armies at one point or another yes but i always see you see a reference somewhere and you go oh i wonder if i could build an army for that. oh yes i can build an army for that so it's uh fortunately i've only bought about 50 percent of them so far so
0: <laughs> oh, only 50 percent <laughs> but- <laughs> Which means you probably uh, spent about as much money as a single Warhammer forty k army these days. Um, oh, did I say that out loud? Ouch. Uh, I've been looking at uh, some some Necromunda and some Kill Team, just you know, wanting to paint some really old GW models. And in the process, I looked at some of the new prices, and I thought I just can't do this anymore. Anyway, this is not this is not the purpose of this <laughs> podcast. One of the great things about Bolt Action is the miniatures are more affordable than a lot of other game systems, Uh, and I think we'll find that when we're digging through today. Now, Pete, I'm going to be throwing a lot of this to you today because, as I said, you know a lot about this, but in my introduction, I talked a little bit about how it's important to find the right units for the army if you're going with a theme. Can you talk to us a little bit more about uh, where I was going with that as far as with uh, with this list, what are you hoping that people get out of it?
1: Uh, I think that, you know, last time, as you said, we talked about the minor powers and that's great. But as we said at the time, while there are miniatures available, their range can sometimes be limited. The support weapons aren't always available. The sort of vehicles are sometimes not available. So it can be a bit more of an uphill challenge to put together some of those minor nations. Whereas... Um, If you go with a major power, many of the vehicles are obviously much more widely available. So in a sense, it's easier to put together an army, but if you want an army that's um, different without going down those minor power rabbit holes, looking for all those small, obscure um, vehicles and support weapons, uh, you can give any major power army a really unique flavor because most major powers had special units or distinct theaters or um particular operations that it required forces that were different from what you would normally call the generic sort of uniforms and kits and equipment that you see in many of the standard us uk um, soviet armies and this is what I really wanted to get out is dig into where can you find some of those miniatures that allows you still to use a unique force. So just go pick up a, a basic book and have all the entries there and have all the um, units and supports available, but still look unique, different, and probably feel it's something that someone else in your local meta isn't fielding, even if they are potentially, you know, there's probably six German armies wherever you play, but this is an opportunity for you to field a German army, but have it be very unique.
0: Exactly right. I mean, we've all been to bolt action events or club nights or just a group of friends playing and seen a lot of armies that look very similar on the tabletop. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a reason why they called American GIs, GIs because they all wore the same thing. They were GIs, but general issue, right? So it, it's, they, it, it makes sense that when you wear a uniform, and if you look at the, the origins of the word uniform, I mean, it also means the same, right? If you're all wearing the same thing, you know you're on the same side, and you're less likely to shoot your own buddies. So when you have a German army or an American army or a, a British army, these major nations that were kicking out uniforms in mass for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of troops it makes sense that a lot of the armies would look similar but it can be really rewarding as a as a miniature wargamer if especially if you've painted three or four bolt action armies already to do something that may you know might be a little bit different now i'm not necessarily talking about listing you could have the same army list as the guy on the table next to you but if you have slightly different models a, it gives you a chance to maybe paint something in a slightly different color, and we'll talk about the Kriegsmarine and the Black Death in a minute, but it <laughs> might also give you an opportunity, you know, just to, to mix it up a bit. And so when you get to your next opponent and they look at your army and they go, you know, wow, that, that isn't the same U.S. army that I was expecting to face today. It, it can be really rewarding to come up with something a little different, Uh especially in world war ii where there is so much similarity would you agree
1: yeah absolutely and i think that you know there's some of the funnest games you can have when the army across the table is just different It's something that not only is fun to play against but also uh, i think piques your interest historically and you go wow i didn't know that about the germans or i didn't know that about that particular u.s force and that can encourage you to you know dig a little deeper into the whatever army it is and to um, find out a little bit more about the history side of things as much as it makes for a fun game on the table
0: exactly exactly well let's dig in shall we and let's talk about the big kahuna the army that seems to appear internationally on the bolt action tabletop more than any other they are the baddies that's right germany now, Germany, there's a million shades of Germans out there. Everyone and their dog seems to make a German line. You can even find pulp Germans, German zombies, uh, you know, early war Germans, bl- late war Germans, and everything in between. And there's usually a million different variations on the same helmet and variations on the same uniform. Uh, you know, you might get some nice smocks and great coats and whatnot. But today we're going to talk about some of the other german units because we could literally spend two or three episodes talking about german armies or german models alone so we're just gonna pick a couple here let's start with the volksturm so pete talk to us about this
1: yes well i mean the volksturm are one of the most interesting they're certainly one of the most colorful because obviously you've got uh, amongst other things a whole bunch of guys in civvies running around but Mm -hmm. um there's actually, um, over the last sort of two years or so, been quite an expansion of the n- range of Volkstrom minis available. A number of new players have entered the field. So it's a good army to pick up. With It's quite easy to find the um, minis you need if you want to field Volkstrom. Obviously, you're talking inexperienced masses, but the best place to start is um, with most things <laughs> is uh, Warlord Games. There you go. They do what's called the last levy box, which is... You know just a great way to start because it's got a good mix it's got a you know your civvies, um, civilians you've got a couple of hitler youth and you've got a couple of exclusive figures which is the guy with the rifle that shoots around the corner and the late war a- anti-aircraft weapon mm-hmm. which is kind of a, like a man personal rocket launcher so it's really just if you want to start it, you can't really start in a better place the character, the figures are so colorful it's got a great mix and um, it's a you know perfect start if you want to field volkstrom but it will only be a start because as i say volkstrom is a mass force you're going to need a lot of guys they're all yeah. in experience.
0: now uh, now would um, adding adding to that box um, since the volkstrom are essentially the german version of the home guard and you know, th- there's just a lot of basically armed civilians that you might add to that for some uniformed, some yeah. not. Would you think it's also appropriate to take maybe some of the if we're talking Warlord, for example, some of the partisan models that they make? I mean, you'd be able to use some of those. Um, I know that Black Tree Designs also make some great partisan models uh, or, you know, any other country or company that makes basic Volkstrom or civilians um, I mean, obviously, some of them are carrying the wrong weapons um, if you know you wouldn't necessarily have a Volkstrom officer or you know guy on the guy on the street carrying um oh a Bren gun, but you know or a yeah. sten, for example, but you could you know rearm some of those models. and often on the bolt action tabletop, a rifle is a rifle is a rifle, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, basically I think you can use anything in civilian uniform. The Germans, throughout the war, captured weapons from everybody and in the last ditch defense they were just giving anyone anything who was who was that was at hand. So the you know, I would have no problem with a Volkstrom with a Bren gun. Um I think the only thing I'd I'd look at is probably the headwear, like if you're wearing a distinctive French beret or a Russian fur cap or something, maybe not. But otherwise, I think just go for it. If it's a civvy with a weapon, yep, definitely throw it in there.
0: And if they are wearing a beret, you could just snip the head and put on one of your spare German helmets, as so many of us have oodles of sitting in bits boxes. It's just one of those easy conversions. Yep. And, you know, helps you mix up the variety of the models on in your force. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about offensive miniatures because they make Vol- Volkstrom as well, right?
1: Yeah. So they do more of the sort of civvies, but I guess what they bring to the party that's slightly different is they do some of those um, uh, specialist troops. Uh, so they do the Hitler Youth. And I know when I say that, people are probably thinking about you know young kids, but the Hitler Youth was an organization that um, towards the end of the war, um, was recruiting, you know, still younger people, but they were in sort of like uniforms. They're in these blue sort of overalls. So, on, not just talking about the the very young, sort of unfortunate children that you might not want to put on the table. Um, there's also uh, German police models, and they do even Volkstrom on bicycles with Panzerfaust. So, they've got a nice mix of additional models that just um, will help give a few specialists on top of just throwing in a couple more guys in um, civvies with weapons.
0: Now os- uh, offensive typically are slightly thinner, slighter models than maybe warlord. But in this case, if yep. we're talking about maybe malnourished um, you know city occupants, um, you know as the war is yep. winding down, that may be appropriate.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I've got these guys. I think they mix fine with the warlord and and the other ones we'll mention.
0: Cool. Well, let's let's talk Empress because they're next, right? Yep.
1: So they've got a German Revolution range, which is, I think I mentioned last time when I was talking about some sailors for Hungary. Um, But within that range, they also do German police and... and some civilians as well, obviously revolutionary civilians, but, you know, revolution, fall of Berlin, not a lot of difference in terms of what people were wearing. Um, so, yeah, no, they're great figures to bulk bulk out a um, force. And they particularly, Empress, again, is a bit on the sort of thinner side, more realistic proportion. So they particularly work well with the offensive miniatures.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Nice. Well, the next one on the list is one that I have—I've got to say—that I have never heard of: Matchlock Miniatures via miniature figurines.
1: Yeah, it's one of those ones that's better known in other scales of miniatures. So the company is generally known by Minifigs. They've been around the UK in a long time. They were probably one of the earliest mini manufacturers. Um, you know, going back to the dawn of tabletop war gaming, at least in the modern era um but their their larger scale ranges aren't as well known they're mainly known for 15 mil stuff but mm-hmm. they do do a very, couple of very interesting um packs of a couple of figures and one of them is volkstrom um and i've i picked these up when i was picking up some other things and i they look fine um they're older style obviously but um once again that now they only have eight actual figures so eight in total but when you're building out a large army, it's good to have a, a whole bunch of different looking guys and different looking poses. And so um, if you're going to look at them and maybe pick up some other stuff, throw in some Volkstrom as well.
0: Definitely. Definitely. That's cool. Yeah, again, didn't know them. But if as you say, if you're making a giant force, you can mix up arm, our, you know, models from a lot of different places. Uh, and then, you know, as we were saying before, if you want to add a little more variety on top of that, you can do a couple head swaps, a few weapon swap outs, maybe move an arm here or there, depending on how comfortable you are with the old clippers and plastic bits. But you can definitely make a really original looking force. And there's some awesome last levy armies that have been floating around uh, various, you know, bolt action events over the years. And it's just one of those opportunities to really go crazy with modeling, especially with bases, right? Like you can just ruined city bases. It's a lot like Stalingrad bases. If you really go to town on making those urban rubble bases, it really adds yep. a lot to the models. So, yeah, this is, this is an awesome yeah. opportunity. Plus, because it's the end of the war, they can use almost anything uh, from the German yep. book, which is saying something, because there are a million flavors of vehicles in there. Maybe not get away with the Blitzkrieg things, but even then, I mean, they were throwing—I mean, there's World War One equipment being used in the defense of Berlin. So you can really start getting wacky with throwing in maybe even interwar German machine guns with, you know, some of your units uh, because literally they were just emptying the shelves to put everything out there. Plus the late war wonder weapons like, you know, Super Panzerfaust and those anti-aircraft shoulder-mounted weapons that you were describing earlier. Awesome.
1: Yeah it's a great opportunity for modeling. And, um, it's one of those forces that people often take to have the opportunity to take something like a Panther or a tiger it just allows you to do something like that without feeling like, um, you have no points left and you have no infantry available. So it's a um, great opportunity for modeling and for gaming to do the Volkstrom.
0: Definitely. Well, let's talk about one that is far more rare. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen one of these in the wild uh doesn't mean they don't exist um, but cossacks <laughs> german cossacks Pete i i'm going to need you to give us some uh, some background on this because um th- i mean there's there's quite a lot of this i know that there's an ss link here can you expand on that for us
1: yes so um obviously most people know about cossacks in terms of the russian army and they're in the russian book exactly but The Germans actually recruited quite a large Cossack force, and that was um, out of the fact that the Cossacks mainly fought on the losing side of the Russian Civil War. Um, Stalin and the Soviets treated them quite badly after that. So, when the Germans came, the Cossacks initially, many of them treated them as liberators and were quite happy to join up and help the Germans. Um, And they did in reasonably large numbers. And so Initially, the German army recruited many of them for, some, for security in Russia, um, you know, behind the lines and even um, some units. But uh, as the war sort of turned and the Russians recaptured a lot of the Cossack territory, the Germans moved them to the Balkans because they were concerned about, you know, if you defected once, you might defect again. Um, And when they moved them to the Balkans, they sort of transferred the Cossacks to the SS and they were used uh, on anti-partisan roles throughout the Balkans um, right up until the end of the war. So there isn't actually, um, I don't believe, uh, although it's hard to keep up with all the books these days, I don't think there's actually an Axis Cossack entry, specific entry at the moment.
0: Yeah, I don't think there Um, is either. But you can...
1: You can easily use, like, they fought mounted and dismounted. Obviously, they're known most as mounted troops. Um, but, you know, obviously, you can use them as German army in the Russian campaign for sort of mid-war. You can, or you can use them as SS or SS cavalry in the late war period.
0: So if, I, where can I find models for this? And what makes them Cossacks, I guess, is my question. Um, do they have f- furry hats? Um, I have to admit, I know very yes. little about this.
1: Yeah, so usually the, the distinguishing feature of most Cossacks is that they do have quite distinctive caps. There's a couple of flavours of Cossacks. Cossacks is sort of a general term and uh, without sort of butchering cultural issues, there is, um, I don't know whether it, regional differences and they wear a slightly different kit, but I think in all of them, you know, they have quite distinctive fur type hats. Money um, many, many of them you'll have seen. They've got fur type hats with these sorts of flat tops, and they are sort of red with a white X on them. Mm-hmm. Um, is probably the most distinctive one that most people will have seen in the past. Um, but also because they were you know, known as horsemen, they generally sort of wore cavalry type uniforms. So they think the sort of breeches in terms of the pants that you saw in some of the early war German stuff as well. So. In terms of just generally making them, I have previously used um, uh, Blitzkrieg Germans with, uh, because I think they match quite well. Mm-hmm. And the Germans gave the Cossacks all the type of equipment and uniforms. Um, one way you can do that is a company called Gothic Lime we mentioned last time makes mm-hmm. a bunch of Cossack heads. And they fit quite well with the Blitzkrieg Germans because I know because I've done it. Um, mm-hmm. You can just whack those heads on and they look pretty good. Uh, so that's one way of certainly doing infantry but they have now got a range of their own out from crusader miniatures and i don't know about you but i'm a bit of a fan of crusader they make really nice figures nice they solid do. metal figures and they look really good um and about 12 18 months ago they put out six packs of cossacks which um includes not only dismounted troops, but does actually include two packs of mounted troops as well. So you can do the um, both mounted and dismounted Cossacks.
0: But even with those different packs, I mean, on top of the mounted packs, uh, sometimes it's hard to get beyond you know, maybe an LMG and rifles for a squad, but Crusaders put out SMG guys, of course, rifles, LMGs, but also command models. So you're actually, yep. though it's a limited run of blisters, you're able to create a force out of those, um, which, you know, is all you really need sometimes.
1: Yeah, no no problem at all creating an army and get, if you need support weapons, get the Warlord Blitzkrieg um, era metals Mm -hmm. and whack cossack heads on them once again what i've done is so it's pretty easy to put together an army um and just going back to our obscure friends at uh, matchlock miniatures Mm -hmm. they once again do a small range nine figures of night of cossacks but again very nice mix well with the crusader uh and just give you a couple of extra poses and figures to build out a larger force if you want to go completely cossack
0: Brilliant. Nice. Well, it, I would like to continue my fine trend over the years of uh, butchering names, because I don't even know how to pronounce the next unit, the Henscharl. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm not gonna. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not the, gonna my the Hens. Uh, but I call them, I call them the Henschar. Okay, um, the Henschar.
0: And now um, these are Bos- Bosnian Muslims that were created by or recruited by the SS for security roles in the Balkans. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so they're kind of like the Cossacks. They are a regional, um, ethnic, local group who, for a variety of reasons, found themselves aligned with the Germans, um, and um, the Germans are quite happy to take advantage of that. Uh, you know, for those who know their sort of Balkans history, which is a, a small number of very sad people, um, like me, uh, the the Bosnian Muslims in particular had gained quite a strong reputation in world war one, fighting in the side of the Austrian Hungarians. So when the Germans saw an opportunity, particularly the SS, they were quick to, um, take the opportunity to raise a Muslim force. However, uh, it didn't quite work out. Um, as you can imagine, recruiting Muslims in a Aryan force created some tensions and issues. Mm -hmm. Um, the the there was a mutiny during training in which the german officers were killed um but they managed to sort of pull stuff together and ultimately like a lot of these local forces it came down to the fact that these people were interested in protecting their local region and so that's what they saw themselves as signing up for um, so the germans raised uh these hand troops um technically they were a a mountain division or Grigsburg Jager, which I'll probably butchered again. Um but <laughs> most people will actually know them because they're those fez heads you get in the plastic SS box.
0: Thank you. I was gonna uh, say so they they're <coughs> most notably I mean the visual cue for these guys are the fezes.
1: Yep. So yeah the Germans let them keep their fezzes as part of you know um getting local buy in and so uh, they wore two types of fezes. They wore a red one as part of their parade uniform, and on com- they actually wore them on combat operations. And they had a, ca- a green sort of camo fez for um, operations. So it's uh, yeah. it's. Uh, it, it, I'm <laughs> sure most of the time they actually wore helmets. But but,
0: um, <laughs> but if you want a fez yeah. army, boom, here you go. Yep. Now yeah. Warlord, as you said, there are fez heads in the SS box, and Warlord actually has little he- sprues of fez heads uh, that you could put on SS models before they came out with the plastic box. And I'm pretty sure you can still get those through warlords on bits order. If you're looking for more variety on that one. Um, But there's other places to get these models as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like um, the Cossacks, there's a couple of places that produce um, additional models in metal Um, brigade games in the U S is one of the, has had them for a while. As I mentioned, the Hansha were theoretically mountain troops. So buried in Brigade Games, Ends of the Earth Range, which includes Griegerberg's Jäger, um, is a couple of packs of Hanscha, um, mostly infantry packs, but you've got an LMG in there as well. So uh, they're nice for fleshing out a force.
0: And those are really nice and- models. I have some of the other uh, more generic German uh, mountain troops from them, and they are really nicely done.
1: Yeah. No, I love the brigade models. I've got the mountain troops, um, and I've got some of their uh, Africa Corps. So mm. they're really good, solid models, and they look great, and they paint up really nicely.
0: Now, if you go to the brigade site, they can be somewhat hard to find. What you need to do is actually look at their ends of the earth range, which is... You know, Brigade sells things by a lot of companies, but if you go to Brigade's own section within their own website and go to their ends of the earth range, there's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, but let's... yeah, there's a really, oh, Sorry, well, go
1: ahead. No, I was just going to say, you're right. There's some really interesting finds when you dig around on the Brigade Games sites, and they'll, they'll get actually a couple of mentions today. So, yeah, well worth looking and digging around on their website.
0: Nice. Well, let's talk um, the the next one, because though I've heard of these guys, I have not actually seen these models.
1: Yeah, Ascari miniatures. Um, I actually haven't managed to get my hands on any of their minis, and they've got a couple of really interesting ranges, and they've been actually been aggressively expanding their World War Two stuff, and so they'll get um, more than one mention today. But uh, the main reason is they're a small U.S. company, and they charge just basic, Shipping rates and to Australia, that is just prohibitively expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I haven't quite pulled the trigger on any of their minis yet, but they do um, do a, a squad pack of handshaft figures um, and they actually do a command pack as well. So, I think it's nine um, squad figures, which includes an LMG, and the command pack is four or five figures. And there's, you know, officer, medic, um, I believe there's a forward observer as well. So, if you particularly if you're in the US, I think they're a great place to look to start to build a handcharter force.
0: Definitely. Well, let's move on because uh, we are digging a little in here. But let's get to Kriegsmarine. Yep. So the German Navy. Now you might say Navy. Uh, Why would you have sailors fighting on the ground? But they fought in a surprising number of land battles, uh, given that they're sailors. Um, And they could be found fighting in almost every theater in nearly all the iconic battles in Western Europe. In fact, they were some of the first German troops to fight and some of the last uh, to enter the battle for Berlin. Um, Now, they have an entry in the German book. And more recently, they got a new officer entry in the U.S. D-Day book. So they're actually an army that you would, that you could see, um, probably you should see with a little more regularity than what they already do. Um, Pete, yeah. do you want to talk to us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, basically every theater and pretty much pretty much every battle the Kriegsmarine ended up fighting, whether it was as you know formed bodies of troops that were um, thrown into the war at the last minute, but I mean sometimes it was just a bunch of sailors off ships that have been sunk um being used as infantry when they were gathered on the shore so i think we talked a little bit about that in the norway section last week but we did. you know there is really no battle where the kriegsmarine didn't play a role of some sort sometimes it was quite a niche role but pretty much if you want to field them and i and i think they look like a really interesting addition to any force you can Throw them in at any time, any place, and they would be perfectly historically accurate.
0: Now, late war, some of these guys were just given grenadier gear, um, yep. so they look the same as you're here. But uh, if we yep. want to get into more sailor esque uniforms, um, I mean, obviously we can start with Warlord Games because they make a very nice box. Um, it's ten Kriegs Marine yep. figs that has an LMG and is great for late war. Right?
1: Yeah. Um, So they've got uh, two guys carrying Panzerfaust, which is great for late war. And they really, I think, sculpted to kind of represent the Battle of Berlin when literally they pulled guys off naval bases, chucked them in a plane, flew them to Berlin and kicked them out. Um, And they were literally wearing the uniforms that they had put on in the morning, which were sailor uniforms. So they're a really distinct addition to any last levy kind of force. Um, But the brigade, uh, sorry, the um, Warlord Games one can be used in any period just i guess without the Panzerfaust, depending on when you're playing
0: exactly and a lot of those guys are wearing sailor hats and so if you really want to mix up how that unit looks um an easy way again is to clip some of the sailor hats off and give them generic you know regular quote-unquote german helmets um and that can really mix up the way the the force looks yeah um but let's talk about other models uh brigade games again ends of the earth uh let's talk about those
1: Yeah, they're a great range, not only because they do the um, sort of uh, Kriegsmarine figures um, for Europe, so they do a couple of packs of infantry, but they also specifically do Kriegsmarine figures for tropical, i.e. North Africa, so Mm -hmm. if you want to use a Kriegsmarine in a different theatre, which I, once again, this is part of the 50% I actually have already bought, Uh, (laughs) this is, uh, there's a couple of packs of Kriegsmarine guys, basically in shorts and often no shirts, um, which you can use for uh, Africa, mixed in with Africa Corps and use for the Africa Theatre. And they do a nice MMG. And if you want to go really deep down the rabbit hole, they've got two rowers and a raft. So if you want to do a landing party and have a bit of a diorama, they're a great place to look.
0: Yeah, I've actually used those in my deck, and they they really do look great. And there are some models in there that might, you know, look literally like they walk off the screen from Raiders of the Lost Ark, which, you know, isn't always the most historically accurate film. Uh, but you know, Really? <laughs> I know, right? However, um, they, you know, they they were showstoppers in that force. A lot of people were like, oh, where'd you get those models from? Um, and so, you know, it, again, adding variety to an existing army that was largely made up of black tree designs and um, artisan models and warlord models. Again, having that, that variation and people going, wait, I've seen these ones, but where are those from? Again, adding that variety, very cool. Um, Pete, artisan, I know, I know, I just mentioned them, but they also do Kriegsmarine.
1: Yeah, um, one of the uh, areas that people may not have found. And is, you know, we often talk about Artisan's World War II range, which is right. outstanding. But mm. they do a range of figures which are for pulp gaming called Thrilling Tales. Mm-hmm. And within that range, there's actually some really interesting um, figures that you can use for World War II. So you've got, funny you should mention, Indiana Jones. So you've got um, the German uh, Gestapo's, Gestapo figures in that range. But also they do a, a handful of five Kriegsmarine-type figures. They're mostly officers armed with um, SMGs, uh, but also an NCO with an LMG. Just, once again, a couple of different figures. Being pulp figures, they're very characterful. If you want to build your command squad of some naval officers, these are really great guys to look at.
0: That's right. Well, let's jump ship and uh, talk about a German unit that when I first started playing bolt action, a lot of people talked about, and I, I think Warlord even put an article on their website at one point, but I don't think I've ever seen, uh, that would be the Indian Legion. And so that would be the yep. Free Indus Legion. They were a group of Indian nationalists who fought for both the the Germans and the Japanese, um, wanting to oppose, I guess, the British Empire. Um or yeah. specifically British imperialism. So yeah. there is an article, oh, sorry, there is an entry for them in Bolt Action, um, but y- you could really get away with using these guys if you were combining, what, World uh, Warlords, Africa Corps, and maybe some British plastic kits, uh, yeah. if you <laughs> wanted to go plastic, but if you want to go metal, we do have an, an alternative to that, Right.
1: Yeah, no, very recently Ascari Miniatures, going back to them, put out a a nine-figure squad pack for them, once again, including an LMG as part of their Africa Corps range. Um, So as you say, these were uh, Indians who basically wanted Indian independence from the British Empire, um, and they uh, joined both the German and Japanese, um, but the German ones in particular had that quite distinctive Africa Corps type uniform and i guess what obviously separates them is the um head uh, the, the head turban that uh, many of them continue to wear so uh warlord yes um War figures and they used to do metal heads for them but i'm not sure they do anymore but they do include the turban heads in their british plastic kits these days but if you want to go with metal yep ascari miniatures is the way to go
0: brilliant well, let's move on to the U.S. Now, as we talked about before, thanks to the standardization of mass production, uh, which largely won the war for the U.S., uh, there's, you know, there wasn't a ton of variety in U.S. forces in World War II. However, there are still some cool opportunities you know, to create some unique-looking forces on the tabletop. Pete, early war U.S. I mean, often we see mid-late war forces because those are the models that people you know, associate with World War II. Um, And yet in recent years, we're starting to see more early war U.S. models and early war forces, uh, maybe before the U.S. became the the juggernaut that it later became. Can you talk to us a little, or (laughs) is portrayed in film, cough, cough. Um, Can you talk to us a little (laughs) bit more about early war U.S. forces and where you can find the models to field them?
1: Yeah, so early war forces are distinguished, Uh, Early war US forces are largely distinguished by this the older style uniform that the US had interwar and at the very start of the war, and that is mainly um, the British style helmets, the technically known I think they're known as Brody helmets, Mm -hmm. Um, but the US continued to use those um, in the interwar period and right up at the beginning of the war. And also, uh, people will know the Marines with their Montana hats and. Mm -hmm. all all these forces tend to war gators in early war so and i know you like painting gators so oh, these guys them. will be right up around
0: yes <laughs> said brad um, yes <clears throat> go ahead
1: so for those of us who like watching world war Two movies if you think about um the battle of midway movie the the 1970s one mm-hmm. when they showed the scenes on midway island those are the types of guys you're thinking about they um the Brody helmets and the often the Navy types wore the blue. So uh, there's a couple of companies that actually recently it's become quite a crowded field. I mean, at one point you couldn't get them for love or money, but now there's a couple of options. Um, Company B is probably the biggest. They've just been dumping a whole range of figures Mm -hmm. uh, for early war U S recently under what they're calling their 1941 U S troops range. So it includes a whole bunch of infantry, you've got support weapons, including um, guns, and they also do a bunch of early war vehicles. And there's even a General MacArthur in there if you want to evacuate him from the Philippines as part of your game. So it's really quite a large, still growing range, includes um, Philippine troops as well um, Mm -hmm. to throw in. So it is pretty comprehensive uh, place to start and uh there'll probably be some more to come in the near future cool. if you yeah um the other company that's been putting out similar types recently is steve barber models um interesting another uk company slightly more obscure and he generally produces stuff on a commission basis so people commissioning to produce stuff and someone has been commissioning an early war us range so uh He's done a bunch of figures as well, um, infantry with rifles, BARs, SMGs, um, a couple of officers. So another place, I don't know how well they'll mix with Company B. Company B tends to be on the thinner side. Steve Barber models, from my experience of at least Napoleonics, is they're a bit more chunky. But if someone can offer any advice, I'd be happy to take it on whether those will mix. But they're both nice figures, and um, starting a range either way would be good
0: speaking of chunky pulp figures uh, they do some early war yeah. uh, Marines right and they I, I have a bunch of their models uh, as that mix in with my Chinese but they do some early war American as well um, how do you find their range
1: yeah I mean I like pulp figures they're the ranges are small so they're not going to build an army based on pulp alone but they're really colorful throw a couple of troops in i think that they'd mix well with steve barber models in mm-hmm. particular but yes they do um, several packs of marines with their montana hats um, they do uh, mmg so a, um, a browning i believe it is um, machine gun support and they have some um, bars mixed in there as well it's all part of what they call their american adventure as a broad range um, but if you do like the early war Marines and want to mix some in particular with the company B, I think your best option would be to go back to brigade games. Mm -hmm. Um, This time not in the ends of the earth range. It's in the Caribbean empires
0: range. (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You got to dig around a bit, Um, but they again do several packs of uh, Marines in the Montana hats. Um, They include bar gunners and they also include some Lewis gunners in there as well. Uh, But my experience is that Brigade is probably going to mix slightly better with Company B miniatures, which is probably not surprising since Brigade actually sells the Company B miniatures as well. So it can be a convenient one-stop shop for all of your early war U.S. needs.
0: Well, speaking of which, um, if you want to do sailors, um, which, you know, if we're talking sailors today, which we have been, um, U.S. sailors, um, many of them were... Caught in ground actions, uh, in a you know, as the Japanese advanced, uh, especially in the early war, um, you could definitely put them on the tabletop. And if you're looking for them, and you're already ordering from Company B and Pulp, well, they already have these, right? They yeah. have those ranges so as well, I should say.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, in places like Wake Island in the Philippines, you had sailors fighting alongside um, US infantry and Marines as the Japanese sort of advanced and over bases. So, yeah, definitely. They're another option to mix in. Um, But look, not just early war, um, unlike the infantry, whose the early war uniform disappeared. Obviously, the sailors wore similar uniforms throughout the war um you mentioned company b can definitely be used for early war but they can also um, the good thing about sailors is then be used for later war because um the sailors in particular um played a big role um with the cb construction battalions that's I mean, right all of those key airfields you hear about in the pacific uh were all mostly built by cb construction troops um so company b sailors not only good to throw in for early war, but they um, are great for those CBs in late war or mid and late war. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, the range includes that iconic CB dozer, the big U.S. dozer. Oh, yeah. And they do some great details to go with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. And since my uncle's a CB, I think uh, we definitely should include those in our forces. Um, but you've you've also mentioned uh, in the notes here a. a Again, a company I don't think I know of, and we may have mentioned last time, but help me out here. Tiger Miniatures? This sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't think I've ever looked at their website.
1: No, another obscure corner of the internet. Um, Tiger Miniatures uh, produces a, bu- a whole bunch of ranges, um, but in one of their more buried ranges under under the innocuous heading of Navy Bits, they have a really great range of U.S. sailors. Now, these are based on a movie uh, called Sand Peebles, um, which was about us in china in the interwar period but they're certainly perfect for early war us sailors and they've got um, a whole bunch of rifles and a couple of bar gunners in that range and even a shotgun actually so they're just a great way to flesh out any any early war army with a whole bunch of sailors and um the last one to sort of that you can add is pulp figures again um not surprisingly they do u.s sailors as part of their pulp range because you know who doesn't love sailors in a pulp game Mm -hmm. um and what's good about the pulp range is they do the sailors in both uh, caps and the helmets as well so um they just once give a bit of variety to the force and and as you're filling it out
0: brilliant well let's talk about the, uh, a portion of the U.S. that we don't often get to, which is special forces. Now, Rangers typically wore similar gear to usual, quote-unquote, U.S. forces, general issue. Um, but if you've if you've been a long-term listener of the show, you know that Pete and I are both very passionate about Marine Raiders, um, especially the, mar- the Marine Raiders raid at Macon Island or the Macon Atoll. Uh, in fact, I republished uh, our conversation about that earlier this year uh, just a couple months ago that was from way back when but if you want to field those guys um, of course we talk about that at length in that that episode snippet Uh, but there are certain marine models particularly those sold by the assault group that match that well um, because they don't it doesn't you could use some of the plastic Warlord models, although they did not wear gaiters. Um, they did not wear the, the typical footwear. You would have to, because they wore uh, rubber-soled boat shoes. Uh, they almost look like, uh, what, uh, Converse sneakers. Um, but they, of course, wore bla- dyed black uniforms. Um, but if you're looking to field a force of black pajama U.S forces for that raid. Um, Brigade Games also makes two packs of figures for that. Uh, Let's talk about first special service forces. Pete, you would know more about this.
1: Just one of those odd units, and I I don't know exactly why they went down this path, but the the early war, at least for the U.S. period, um, they set up a joint unit with Canada, a joint commando unit, um, which was, I think, trying to transfer the British commando experience to the U.S., but Mm -hmm um they sped up set up the first special services force um uh they mainly fought in Italy um if memory serves correct Mm -hmm. and that's correct because because they're a bunch of a mix of British and Canadians there's a a mix mainly US uniform and kit but there's Mm -hmm. a mix of British kit in there as well and the reason they get a mention is because Artisan Figures produces a whole bunch of packs for these guys which look really great and if you want to throw some commandos on the table whether it's as British commandos or US rangers these guys are just a distinct way of doing that
0: i actually use these as character models in my artisan uh US greatcoat army because they're most of them are wearing clothing that looks like they're in cold weather climates and as you said most of it's US gear so i was able to cherry pick models out of that range and add it in my sniper is from that range for example um and you know, I think one of my commander or one of my commanders looking at a map is from that range as well. There's some great stuff in there that mixes really well with winter uh, U.S. forces. Um, and if you want to find out more about that unit, uh, if you go back to and you'll have to find your own, find the episode number. Sorry, guys. There's a cast dice episode early on where I talk with Byron, my good Canadian buddy. Um, and we talk about Canadians and bolt action in particular, and he talks at length about how he made that force for the bolt action tabletop. So there's another little bit of uh, a tidbit for you to go back to if you want to hear it. But um, Pete, shall we jump to the UK?
1: Absolutely. Let's get well, moving. <laughs>
0: well, if we're going to go to UK, let's go to Home Guard. Because if we're going to go, they are maybe some of the most popular and iconic, you know, quote unquote, alt-British forces for world war ii talk to us about home guard
1: yeah everyone loves a good home guard army um for those of us who were raised within the british empire um and so this may not have affected you so much but dad's army um for people of a certain age is pretty much burnt into our consciousness Mm -hmm. uh as classic brit tv and so not surprisingly that i think that subconsciously has led to an explosion of home guard armies i mean i've seen I remember almost as soon as uh, bolt action launched, people were talking about how to make uh home guard armies and we're in the fortunate position now that there is a whole ton of options to help you do that.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know where to even start other than to say warlord makes a great box of um, uh, uh, both uh, the characters from the TV show in uniform and in their civilian clothes. And so that I mean, again, if you're looking for some civilian models, there's some great ones in there. But now, as you say, there's a ton of other companies that you can add to that. Um, Do you want to talk about one of the classics of miniatures that have been around forever, War Games Foundry?
1: Yep, been around forever. And as soon as people started talking about making Home Guard Army, War Games Foundry was there. Um, They have a range of... Uh, Dad's army figures um, that may have been sculpted by the Perries I know a lot of foundry war' well, foundry's early stuff was mm-hmm. done by the Perries but they're really nice figures um, you know, a little bit older in some of the poses and stuff but uh, if you want to start a home Guard army it is a, a great place to look they've not only got a bunch of nice figures but they've got some really fun stuff to add mm-hmm. into your army so they've got home guard on bicycles. They've got, um, and my favorite is uh, a home guard spotter using one of those red telephone boxes to uh, call in the artillery strike. So it's an out, it's a, an outstanding range. And if you want to do home guard, I mean, you know, the warlord stuff is very nice and it looks like the uh, figures from dad's army, but uh, I definitely recommend that the next place you look um, to flesh that out more is the War Games Foundry stuff because they're just really nice, even though they're a bit on the older side.
0: Yeah, and they the every model in that particular range really has character. Like you have characters smoking cigarettes, as you say, on the phone box. Uh, it they just reek of um, personality and not you know they're they're individuals. Yep. They're not necessarily uniform. So if you're combining yep. those with the Dad's Army box from Warlord, you're gonna get some wonderful character uh, in your forces. Um, but let's talk first core because they're relatively new to Home Guard. Yeah,
1: yeah, their range is a bit newer. I think it's probably about 12 to 18 months old, maybe a little bit older. But once again, very nice figures, very similar, sort of, in look and feel to the War Games Foundry ones. Um, I quite like their sculpting. Um, not for everyone, I suppose they're a little bit on the cartoonist side, if I could put it that way, but I think they mix well with the war games foundry and they just, once again, do some really interesting stuff. Um, particularly they do uh, motorcycle, British motorcycles. I think they're the only people who do, um, that. And, uh, they've got a whole bunch of quite unique vehicles. And my personal favorite is they do uh, dummy century scarecrows. So awesome. uh, I bought two packs of those, which are really cool. Um, uh, but it's worth, I think, going back and mentioning. Actually, um, when you're looking at Warlord, uh, it's not just the Dad's Army box. They, they, as part of their um, Sea Lion book and Jagan books, they released a whole bunch of supporting of figures. They did LDV. They did armed civilians. They did and. Probably more importantly, um, they did a whole bunch of support weapons, and there's some really unique and fun stuff there. in there. The Northover Projector, which was basically a giant bottle launcher. Mm-hmm. The Smith Gun, which I don't even know how to begin to describe.
0: <laughs> <then> yes. <laughs> the Black R Bombard. Yeah. They, there's... They did a whole range of things. You're absolutely right. I forgot that that was part of, of course. Uh, And yeah, they really do have a lot of models for that range because it was in support of multiple uh, bolt action theater books. And so there is quite a range from Warlord that I hadn't even thought of. Plus they do vehicles, which again can be kind of hard to get in the interwar slash early war um, British home. I mean, because that's a lot of what Home Guard was... um, Fielding yep. at least in in the in the time period where Germany might be invading, uh, if I should say. But yeah, what... no,
1: they do some real, really great um, sort of homemade armored vehicles, which is good. But just to keep the fun coming, um, I'll jump to Bad Squiddo Games. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's spent any time on the war game internet probably knows about Annie and Bad Squiddo Games. Um, they release a whole bunch of. Um, what uh, I think term sensible female figures, um, but uh, as part of that range, she did a Kickstarter last year, I believe it was, for um, sort of home front figures. Now, some of these are only for probably only for color. Um, there's a you know like a, a, like a land army girls um, probably not going to be used for frontline infantry, but there are a number of um, armed figures in that range which perfect home guard proxies. Uh, I've seen many pictures of female home guard units and they've got some really good um, figures like the RENs and the ATS, which can be used for command um, units and spotters and that sort of thing. So it's really great to mix a couple of figures in and once again, keep building a unique and really interesting force. I mean, that's the great thing about home guard. You build such a fun force and, and everyone's home guard force is unique from everyone else's.
0: Now they do make uh, Annie does make a bofers. Am I making that up?
1: No, absolutely nice twenty mil bofers with a um, couple of crew options actually. So if you want to put a, a distinctive weapon on the table, um, and I like the bofers as a weapon in um, bolt action. Ditto. It's I think the. The nice range and the two shots uh, make it really, really good. And I think it's something you should definitely be considering as one of the backbones of any home, home guard force.
0: Well, let's jump over to Eureka uh, getting a little closer to home for us in Australia, although there is Eureka in the U.S. as well. Um, they do a slightly different twist on the home guard, right?
1: Yeah, they last year, so they've for a long time had something called the 300 Club, which is basically they put out an idea and see how many people would be interested in subscribing. And I know you talked about that extensively on your episode about Eureka's Chinese project. Correct. Um, But um, they a while ago did one for Australian Home Guard, essentially, Um, so um, uh, Australian-looking figures um, in Home Guard you know, so the civies um, with rifles. Once again, um, Eureka's sense of humour has created a real couple of <laughs> great figures. So they've got Molotov cocktail bombers, which are like you know classic Australian uh, cricket bowler poses. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Hessian sack snipers. Um, And they do a couple of support weapons as well. So, I mean, you can mix them in with British ones. I don't think you would notice any different. There were plenty of Australians in the UK at the time, so they're not going to stand out. Um, And now the thing is, the range hasn't been released as of the time of recording. Um, But uh, I think if you ask nicely, with many of Eureka's ranges, you can often get your hands on them, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will be out shortly.
0: That's right. They, they often sell what they can and they always go out of their way to help you out. I know, for example, um, I've, I've gone in asking, Hey, can I get a particular part for something? And they've always been accommodating in the nicest way possible. Um, they're, they're always willing to try and help you as the customer to sell you exactly what you want and need. Um, so yeah. And again, those guys, uh, are a smaller company, highly recommend, and they're I mean, and we'll talk about it later, but their newer Japanese range and their upcoming Chinese range is absolutely fantastic. So if you get the chance, really check out Eureka because they, they do all kinds of stuff. I know for a long time uh, some of their pulp U.S. models were very common on the tabletop, uh, as, you know, in bolt action games. Not so much in recent years, but I think that um, people should really try and rediscover Eureka. I'm a huge fan. Ah, uh, Pete. Let's let's move on, shall we, to our favorite topic of the day. It seems sailors. Let's talk about British sailors.
1: Yep. Any nation, if you want to do something different, just think sailors. Um, so the Brits, in particular, have one some really great options. Um, and not surprisingly, the British sailors were seen everywhere in the interwar period, and they played a, a pro- underrecognized role in the Second World War. Mm. Um, but You know, as with all things, a place to start and building any of these things is probably Warlord. They do a um, 10-figure Royal Navy section in part in their um, sea line range. Mm -hmm. Very nice, very great place to start. Um, Like the US, Pulp Figures produces a bunch of British sailors. Um, These ones in Brody helmets plus some in sort of caps, uh, but interestingly, they also do some deck crew, which I find are quite useful um, for crew, for weapons, if you want to keep an all-sailor force, but, you know, give your guns, some uh, sailor crews as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last two, uh, so one I haven't, I don't think I mentioned these guys before, no, is Badger think... Games. Hmm. There are they're a company in the US and they're kind of like brigade games. They kind of, they sell some of their own figures, but they also aggregate a whole bunch of other ranges. But one of the ranges they picked up is one that had, um, fallen, fallen out as the company that originally produced them closed down. And that's, um, a company called regiment games. I'd picked these guys up from regiment games and had been looking to get some more. So when badger games picked them up, I was very excited, but they, do a range of sailors and they're based on a a British movie that most people won't have seen an old black and white one, I think from the fifties called we dive at dawn, but really nice figures, nice solid metal figures. And interestingly, um, they include a Bren LMG option because this was the movie was sort of set in the mid war period rather than the very early war. So this just gives you another, another option um, for support weapons. And Lastly is our friends at Empress Mm -hmm. and they have been expanding a whole bunch of ranges in the World War II period um, recently. And amongst their early war British range, they slipped in a couple of packs of sailors. Um, What I really like about these figures, I mean, Empress figures are always very nice, but um, they've sculpted these guys with full webbing. So this is not just some guys who have landed from a boat. This is some guys who have been set up to do, um, full sort of infantry duty on shore and they just once again bring a slightly different look to any um, uh, force you're building.
0: I forgot to mention if you are looking for a really good alternative uh, model range for U.S. forces, Empress do some great stuff. Um, I really like their metal U.S. range uh, for World War II. Uh, it. Again, it, it's very similar general issue sort of uniforms. I think it's leaning towards earlier war rather than later, but still the, the the typical uniform you'd kind of expect. But, man, there's some great sculpts in there. So if you're looking particularly to field a U.S. force that doesn't look exactly like everyone else's, I highly recommend the Empress range. I've recently bought a ton of their U.S.-Vietnam stuff and... God, the quality is astonishingly good. I don't know how I got this far without buying a lot more Empress models, but damn. So, uh, highly recommend uh, if you're looking at anything that Empress makes. Really impressive. Uh, Pete, let's move on. Burma. While Britain fought in many theaters, one of the less known ones, uh, and I guess one of the big unique ones, was the battle around Burma, and there's a lot of very distinctive units that were part of that. Chindits, Gurkhas, they fought in Burma, um, which, you know, allows you, if you want to field a force around that, to to look really unique. Now, we've seen a lot of uh, Chindit forces, and, of course, everyone loves to talk about Gurkhas in bolt action um, over the years. Uh, However, if you really want to make something that's themed around that, that isn't necessarily your standard Chindits, there are some options. Now, of course, Warlord makes some beautiful... Uh, Chindit models uh, with support units and unique characters, right? And they even make that that really cool model that there's art for in one of their books of the mule team. Um, Do you want to say anything else about Warlord's range? Because it's a good one.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. It's got some really good character figures, which often sometimes you don't find in their other ranges. Mm -hmm. And, yep, love that mule.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very early Warlord. I think it was part of the bolt-action range when Warlord bought it. Um, And then I think in recent years, they've added a little bit to it as well. So it it is, again, a very good and comprehensive range. Lots of great detail on those models. But if you're looking to do something a little different, um, I know we mentioned Tagged before, but the Assault Group does some great stuff for both Chindits and Gurkhas. And Mule Team, awesome, uh, which complements the Warlord models nicely. I mixed a lot of Assault Group Germans with my German army way back when. Um, and so the, I do know they they scale well together. And by taking, you know, the Assault Group uh, Chindits and Gurkhas, you can really add more options to the existing Warlord one, it, given how much character there is in the Warlord models. But if you want to add that variety, there's a lot in there too. Um, did you want to add to that, Pete?
1: Yeah, it's just between those two ranges, you can easily build out quite a large Burma army with that distinct, very distinctive look with the shorts and the short-sleeved shirts and the bush hats for both the Chindits and the Gurkhas, um, and you can get everything you need between tag and Warlord Games, although there is a third player, um, a smaller mm-hmm. player, um, and that's back to War Games Boundary. Um, they do an odd sort of small range. They, they do, do three packs of Chindits with that sort of distinctive bush hat and more interestingly, and I've been trying to find a way to use these guys and I just haven't quite figured it out yet. They do a pack of Royal Marine commandos for the Burma theatre. So Mm -hmm. not in the wool stocking hats and the dark brown, this is short sleeve shirts and berets and it's, they're great figures and I've just got to figure out a way to use them. The challenge is, all of Foundry's figures are armed with SMGs. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it can be a little hard to fit in a force, but I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they don't have LMGs. They don't have sergeants. They don't have command models. They don't have support teams. Although, from memory, is it two blisters or it's eight models, something like that? There's there's a lot of SMG options if you want to field Marine commandos. But, um, you know, in, in Burma, they just, yeah. Could could you add some rifles? How about, anyway. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, God. But they're good. They're so good. Uh, so, again, oh, yeah. highly recommend you guys check those out. Pete, I think it's time that we move on to one of the books that has more entries than any other. Of course, I'm talking Soviets. Now, the Soviets, similar to the U.S., had a mass production approach uh, when equipping their troops um, leading to a pretty generalist uniform that works all over the place. And their forces were generally uniform. That's your joke. I stole it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, their forces were, as I said, uh, generally uniform looking. But there's still some interesting units within there. Now, of course, we're going to talk about sailors because we have with every other major nation. But let's actually get into something different first. Paratroopers. Now, up until recently, there haven't been a whole lot of Soviet paratroop options, and yet they exist. Pete, can you talk to us a little bit about Soviet paratroopers from World War II?
1: Yeah, I was um, really excited to see the announcement from Warlord very recently that they are dropping a Soviet paratrooper box set. It's um, it's one of the guess underappreciated arms of the Soviets in World War II. Um, prior to World War II, they'd actually been well leading in um, paratroopers and airborne forces, and they'd um, done one of the world's largest airborne drops uh, in, in, in exercises. So Soviet paratroopers were uh, you know, quite a large force, but um, <clears throat> like many other parts of the Soviet system during Stalin's purges, um, I think they sort of fell out of favour, and then with the sudden blitzkrieg attack from the Germans, there wasn't much use for paratroopers, it, um, so Generally, they were thrown in through the front line just as a lot of other forces were, as you know, regular ground pounders. But towards the end of the war, things started to evolve a bit and they were dropped on a couple of missions, um, largely to help partisans um, behind enemy lines. But yeah, so long way of saying, saying, I've been waiting for Soviet forces, Soviet paratroopers for some time, and these guys are really nice sculpts done in the full sort of jump gear. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, it's only one pack. Um, hopefully, they'll be some more from either Warlord or someone else at a later date, so you can actually do a whole paratroop force, but it's a great new option and something that is distinctly different from your average um, green Soviet.
0: And one of the cool things about when Warlord does a box like this is that when you say one pack, we should be specific here, it's not a blister pack, it's actually a 10-man box, and so there's there's some good variety in there. And though, yes, you're getting the LMG, and no, not everyone wants to take an LMG, If you buy um, maybe four boxes or three boxes, that gives you 30 to 40 models to play around with. And in that, you can make, you know, as many um, small veteran squads as you need. I mean, out of 40, what, you could make most people run vets in what, squads of seven?
1: Yeah, six to eight, somewhere in there.
0: So if we ballpark it at seven, you get your five infantry choices out of four boxes, and that gives you five leftovers, and four of those are the one LMG per box and one other one that you don't want. However, if you do want to run LMGs, then you're going to have some spare guys kicking around. Yeah, it works. Uh, And I guess that works with a lot of these other ones that we're going to talk about where there's a ten-man box. But before we move on to the next Warlord box that came out at the exact same time, which would be the NKVD, I do want to talk about a slightly different form of uniform for the Soviet trooper, and that's in the snow onesie. Now, it's not on our list today, but Warlord does make a wonderful box of 10 dudes, just like we talked about uh, a second ago, um, of guys in the snowsuits, the white snowsuits, that match uh, the wonderful page in the Soviet book of Soviets in winter onesies fighting Germans. Now, in the past, I've talked about using Baker Company thin models for those. Um, however, since then, the Warlord models have come out, and they are fantastic. Um, I got a box or three of them um, a little while ago, and they, they're just wonderful detail. But it should also be mentioned that since that time, artisans also come out with several boxes as well. Uh, now, the artisan models are noticeably bigger than the new warlord snowsoup troopers. The, the new warlord Snow troop, troop troopers, I keep tripping <laughs> over my tongue on that one, um, are a little slighter than uh, some of the warlord medals of the past. Uh, and the artisan ones are... The same old artisan size as always but man both look really good and you could definitely make a full force out of the artisan models pete anything you want to add to that
1: no um, i've seen them and yeah great some great new minis coming out for those soviet onesies and um real uh, opportunities to do something slightly different in terms of a winter force
0: Definitely. And if you want to add um, Soviets and great coats to go along with the Soviets and onesies, again, Artisan has wonderful stuff that matches too. And they've come out with several boxes of Soviets and Greatcoats. And if you're going down that route, Crusader also has some wonderful uh Soviets and Greatcoat models but I think we could go down that route for a long time. Pete, let's jump over to one of the more controversial units in the Soviet book, um, and that's the NKVD. We often see them on the bolt-action tabletop in the form of a commissar, but the NKVD was a much larger force, right? And it was fielded, it fielded its own units with support units, including katushas, Pete, can you explain the tie to a katusha to the NKVD? Because I've heard that before, and I think you would probably be able to talk about that in a little bit more depth.
1: Um, Well, as you were sort of saying, Brad, the NKVD, not dissimilar to the SS, was an army within an army, in a Mm. sense. It was the army owned by the Communist Party, and it wasn't just one or two commissars. They full full units, and some of these units were certainly those blocking units that people have you know probably heard about um that you know stopped retreats and that sort of thing but there were plenty of units that um fought on the front line and certainly one of the oddities particularly at the beginning of the war was that the katusha rockets were actually a state secret they were um trying to keep them as a surprise i guess and um so they were actually assigned to and manned by the NKVD rather than the regular army. It wasn't until the war had been underway that they started the, they started to transfer those Katusha, Katusha rockets to uh, regular army forces. So the NKVD is, you know, is definitely something you can field as a standalone force. Um, it has been one where figures have been a little hard to get, but there's a, a couple more options now to allow you to do the NKVD. So, you, as you've already mentioned, Brad, the Warlord has done another of those ten-figure boxes, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a nice box, um, as, as all Warlord boxes are, I guess.
0: Oh yeah. Um,
1: and you get you get the usual deal. You get a bunch of figures um, with uh, rifles, LMGs, and I suppose importantly for the NKVD, they've got those very um, Unique NKVD caps, um, which certainly make those figures stand out.
0: Yeah, and you can get one of those caps or something that looks like it on the plastic Soviet sprue. So I know that some people have tried converting units of NKVD um, just using the leftover caps from their plastics when they're making them. But if you're looking for something where the uniforms are perhaps a little bit more um, authentic, um, instead of just using the mass produced uniforms for the bodies and then with the caps and that did happen in the war um the the warlord box definitely works for that but i actually own an nkvd entire army and they are made up of the black tree design models now black tree hasn't had one of their legendary sales in a long time they do have regular rolling sales on um, parts of their line but of course they're not the big sales that they had years ago But during one of those sales, I bought a a massive collection of their NKVD models. Um, They have models with SMGs. They have models with rifles. They have uh, three separate medium machine gun teams uh, and assorted characters. Now, of course, those medium machine gun teams, um, if you've watched uh, Enemy at the Gates, you'll know that sometimes they set up those machine guns behind their own troops to keep them from running away, which is why Black Tree as three separate teams. Um, But they also make tank rider models, which are literally the NKVD models that they sell in caps, but with helmets on. And NKVD forces, of course, wore helmets in combat. So if you're looking to add additional forces, um, if you look at that blister, it works perfectly well as well. Pete, have you any experience with those models yourself?
1: I haven't haven't had the Blacktree KVD ones, but I've got plenty of Blacktree minis and look they I guess they're a bit older in style, but they're nice and solid. I find them quite a joy to paint because yeah. the 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 sculpting is simple, but I think solid. and so i've I've really liked them for my Folsom Jager and um yeah, definitely I have looked at them on more than one occasion to um, start an NKVD force like you've already done.
0: Yeah, I've painted up a couple of units of their um, sailors, which Soviet sailors, which we'll get to in just a sec. And yeah, as you say, they are relatively simple compared to um, some of the detail on some of the more recent sculpts by artisan or warlord or empress, but they have the detail in the right places. So when you go to mass paint an army, the Black Tree design models, not all of them, mind you, but most of them, surprisingly good i know that they had a rap for a little while of you know not being as good Uh, i think mainly because they were a lot cheaper because of the sales and people just equated oh you know they're cheaper they have a little bit less detail they're not as good but man there's some great models in their range and if you're looking for little bits and pieces no matter what major army you're rocking in world war ii highly recommend man they're uh, Italian stuff is actually really good too. Um and I've been converting those models for a while. So yeah. Black tree designs. Yep. Big fan.
1: Um one last mention and this is this was a relatively new find for me is um Gattis gaming. And I've mentioned them in other contexts, but they're mm. a company that took over um the old Battle Honors line.
0: Um, oh nice. Yeah. Uh
1: now there, I finally managed to get my hands on some uh, about two weeks ago, actually. I saw some of their fins and had a look at their size. And I had been a bit concerned because people had said previously they're 25 mil. Um, I Look, if they were 25 mil, it was a big 25 mil. It was sort of like must have been heroic 25 mil. Because looking at them, I think they look fine compared to Warlord Metals. They certainly look fine next to my Marines, um, my Warlord Metal Marines. So um, I would definitely put them on the list of ones that you could mix in. And what is really good about those for NKVD in particular, they do a very nice um, pack of specialists. So like a sniper, flamethrower, anti-tank weapon, and pan- Panzerfaust. So, nice. So it just um, fills those gaps that actually aren't filled by any of the other ranges, not to mention the fact that they do also offer just a whole bunch of NKVD um, infantry op models as well. Um, both in um, summer and winter dress, so plenty of options there.
0: Definitely. Well, let's let's jump over to the unit that a lot of people are probably waiting for us to talk about: Soviet sailors. Uh, unlike German, U.S. and U.K. sailors, the Soviet naval infantry played a high-profile role in World War II ground combat, earning them the nickname "the Black Death." How cool is that? Right. Uh, In addition to providing troops for many major land battles, the naval infantry also undertook a number of amphibious actions on the Eastern Front. Now, these guys are notably called the Black Death because they wore dark blue and or black uniforms. They look very striking on the tabletop. In, you know, bolt action, you often see forces laid out in various shades of green and khaki. Not these guys. They are black and blue And that's it. And man, when you see an army on the tabletop of these guys, you stop and look because they don't look like any other bolt action army. Pete, start us out with Warlord, man. Talk to us about them because Warlord has had a range of models over the years um, and they've sort of compressed them into the 10 man box, right?
1: Yeah. Again, another 10 man box. Very nice box. Um, they in particular, Warlord have sculpted all the figures in that box with the the caps, so sailors-type caps, um, and in the sort of black um, jacket as part of the uniform. So, you know, the two distinctive things about the Soviet sailors, the Black Death, was one, they had a black-style uniform with a black, or well, very dark blue, it actually was, jacket. But they also had the very distinctive striped shirt as well. So They did the blue and white striped shirt. Um, so the Warlord one is mostly in the sort of black jacket style um, and very nice. Once again, another great box includes LNGs, SMGs, rifles. If you're going to start anywhere, you know, you, you would not, you'd not go wrong starting with the Warlord um, box.
0: But hold on before, you know, before we move on to the next company, they do also make a blister with a commander who has an SMG and a anti-tank rifle. Um, yep. I have several of those guys, and so and that is not in the ten man box. That is a separate blister. So there is a little more variety you can add there.
1: Yeah, I mean you've you own them, so what do you think of them, Brad?
0: I love them. I absolutely adore those models. Um, my sale. I've had multiple versions of this army. Um, I painted a lot of the models over the years, and I've sold a lot of them. Sadly, um, uh, many of them have never gotten beyond being primed black to my um, to my to my chagrin. That said, uh, the Warlord models are my favorite. I do have a lot of the Black Tree models, and I love those as well, but Warlord are are my favorite ones. The detail is a little bit finer, um, and the Black Tree, and we might as well talk about Black Tree at this point as well. Um, they have yep. three packs of naval infantry and a Maxim LMG team. They, what's interesting with them is They're all armed with submachine guns, all the black tree models. You cannot get them in anything but submachine guns, so you can't have an LMG. You can't have rifles. And they are mostly, if not all, wearing um, those padded tan-slash-khaki jackets. So they are not the all-black. So if you're going for all-black then you definitely want to go somewhere else than the Black Tree models. That said, they look really nice when mixed in with an army that is majority black and blue. Just having that splash of khaki really sort of brings it back to the bolt-action tabletop and is also a nice break when you're painting. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at with uh, the Black Tree. I like both, as I said. I think the Black Tree Soviet faces um, are really well done. Uh, and I just really enjoy painting them. That said, the Warlord are my favorites. So yep. yeah, Pete Artisan now makes several packs of these, right?
1: Yeah, they dropped. It was a bit of a surprise. Came mm-hmm. somewhat out of the blue without a lot of fanfare about eighteen months ago, two years ago, something like that. But they dropped um, a bunch of Soviet naval squads. Um, uh, quite very nice. I mean, Artisan are always nice sculpts. Mm-hmm. Um, they mix well with Warlord in terms of size, and what I like about the Artisan packs in particular, they've got a little more variety. They've got the not only sculpted similar to the Warlord with a sort of like black jacket, but they also do some more in that casual um, sort of naval rig with the the shirt that I was mm-hmm. talking about, and there's some a couple of figures with uh, helmets in addition to the sort of sailor's cap. So artisan are really perfect if you started with warlord artisan just give you those extra um, bodies to flesh out your force
0: that's right and artisan does make two 10-man boxes i'm looking at them here Um, and uh, a quick aside um, if you're looking to add helmets to the black tree design or warlord model since they're all wearing caps in both boxes or both ranges um, what i've done in the past and is really easy is just take a pair of clippers snip off the head and use the plastic helmets from the warlord plastic Soviet box, and they work perfectly. They are a perfect match, in case you're wondering size-wise. Um, again, just to add variety to your forces. Uh, Pete, there's another one here, Copplestone. I didn't realize that they had sailors.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, I'll be honest and upfront and say they're technically made for Russian Civil War, so obviously, Copplestone largely is um, targeted the pulp gaming market. But Look, in terms of the equipment and the uniforms they're wearing, they're certainly fine for early World War Two, And um, they've got quite a nice range, uh, including um, both infantry, command and MMGs um, that once again allows you to sort of just build out a force without replicating too much. And I've always found Copperstone mixed nicely with both Artisan and Warlord.
0: Yeah, they really do. Um, I had I've had quite a few cobblestone models over the years, and I've slipped them in to different forces, and they really do just match nicely. And again, just another range to look at. <laughs> There's only a couple in out there, right? Uh, I think we could probably talk Soviets all day long. But again, if you're looking for Soviets, so many Soviet troops, even the sailors, even the paratroopers, even uh, even at points the NKVD, they all wore those general. Soviet fatigues um, that we saw on every other Soviet trooper, it seems in World War II. So, which is why, if you are just painting the general guys with the green helmet and you know the the, the khaki uniform with the 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 blanket tied over their shoulder, you can use those for a huge variety of units in that book. Even though there are countless models or countless units, it seems, in that book, um, a small variety of models will represent most of them. Uh, so rather than banging on about Soviets all day, I think we've given a fair representation of the models. Pete, shall we move on to Japan, um, the the lesser-known major power? Um, I guess the last of the major power books of course is the japanese and due to the length of the japanese war which arguably started in the mid-1930s and the rampant inter-service and inter-command rivalries that japan ultimately fielded a number of unique units however only have found their way only a few have found their way into miniature ranges so far um so many of Japanese models that we see in the bolt-action tabletop are the ones that are, you know, charging out of the jungles with people with torn uniforms and whatnot yelling bonsai and running, um, usually with an unfortunate caricature as a face. Um, Thankfully, there are some alternatives to that. Um, I know a couple of people have asked me in the past. Um, I have a great coat Japanese army that I made using the Soviet greatcoat models, the plastic Soviet warlord models. Um, And I just kitbashed those with the plastic warlord Japanese models, and they worked really well together. So if you're looking for something that's a little different, like the battle, if you want to fight in China, for example, where it was colder colder climates, you could do that. However, um, shall we jump over to some specialist troop types? Now, I know that you and I are both very excited about one type of Japanese trooper, in particular, the paratroopers. I'll let you dig into this one, Pete, because I could talk Japanese paratroopers all day, and I'm sure we'll do a podcast on one soon. (laughs) Yeah, look,
1: uh, the Japanese were the exact opposite of the Russians we just talked about. The Japanese came to airborne forces quite late. It wasn't actually until uh, really they saw what the Germans did in the Blitzkrieg, that they put real effort into developing paratroopers. Um, But as with all things in Japan, because the uh, Army and Navy hated each other so much, they had to both develop their own paratroopers. So you had Mm. the Army paratroopers and you had the Navy paratroopers, um, which is uh, not unusual for Japanese forces. But um, the good news is that uh, Company B makes both.
0: They They do. do
1: both. Army paratroopers and Navy paratroopers. So whatever, whatever side of the Civil War you prefer, you can play.
0: Now you have the naval ones, right?
1: I have both. Okay. <laughs>
0: I have the army ones. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, and the Company B models, they are nice. Um, yeah. I know that some people uh, haven't always enjoyed all of the sculpting on them. Um, some of the ones we may have mentioned in a previous episode earlier today with the Philippines lines i know that sometimes people grumble i'm really happy with the paratrooper models that i got i think they're great uh pete how about you
1: yeah i got a stack of them in front of me right now um they're some of the best sculpts not just by company b but i think any japanese minis i've seen they're really nice
0: yeah agreed agreed and of course we can talk warlord models all day long they do the more generalist stuff but if we're going to get off there um we can talk a little bit about the SNLF. The Japanese Marines were known as the Specialist Naval Landing Force and fought in many key battles uh, across the Pacific. These troops initially had quite distinctive uniforms um, that were different from the Army because they had unique helmets, uh, kit, and they had a different uniform color. Um, Although as the war progressed and supplies got strained, they started to wear a lot of the same uniforms as the army. So it gives you an opportunity to maybe do some kit bashing if you're going for later war. Um, starting with Warlord, because we did say, I started by talking about that. Um, Warlord makes a box of 32 SNLF figures. It's the Japanese plastics, but with extra metal bits for heads and some specific kit items. Uh, Pete, do you want to dig into them a little bit more?
1: yeah so i mean as you said this is a full box of 32 figures it's the plastic bodies but they do do an extra metal head for every single um, mini in the box and there's a couple of bits of uh the kit that the snlf had in particular they had like this gas mask canister they carried so um, they're great once you put all the bits of kit on they come out really nice so i quite like the warlord um japanese i think they were one of the later boxes and Mm -hmm. Um, they're a bit. I find them a bit easier to put together and I think they look quite good when you do put them together. So, you know, with 32 figures, you're off to a flying start with any SNLF force. And I know many people in Australia uh, wouldn't probably know the SNLF better because they, they certainly played a, quite a large role in some of the campaigns close to Australia.
0: That's right. That's right. And um, if you're wondering visually how they were different besides a different colored uniform, the helmets. Uh, we did mention that they were separate metal heads that you can put on the plastic bodies the helmets were far more conical um and so yeah they really are different um and it it, it really does allow you to field even if you want to run a very generalist Japanese army by taking that box um, you really can just take field them as quote unquote regular Japanese or regular veteran Japanese, if that makes sense. And you're going to be go barking up the right tree and at the same time have a visually distinctive, interesting Japanese army. Um, I know a lot of the forces we've talked about today have specific entries in books. And so you're sort of shoehorned into listing in a particular direction. But this in particular, you really can just sort of field a generic Japanese army that um, might give you you'd have a few opportunities to field floating tanks and things like that that might be a little different but if you wanted to field um, you know the type 87 armored car for example but yeah it really does give you an opportunity to do something fun and different with the Japanese even if you don't want to go too far off the reservation listing wise right
1: yeah, absolutely. It just gives you a chance to do, as the whole point of this podcast, something that looks slightly different, but um, still lets you play that major power.
0: That's right. Well, let's go back to Company B, because they also do SNLF.
1: Yep. Uh, once again, very nice. Uh, the, the original their SNLF figures are an older range. They they were done before their paratroopers, so they're a bit of an older range, but I still think the sculpt's quite nice. Um what is Particularly interesting about their range is that they do both flavors of the SNLF and by that I mean you've got very distinctive World War II flavor which we've been talking about which mm-hmm. the uniform uh, was sort of a gray color a conical helmet that sort of thing but um, during the early war in China and in the interwar period in general the SNLF actually had a uniform sort of very similar to British the British sort of naval uniform and they used hats once again not exactly brody helmets but sort of mimicked that kind of look yeah and the you know white gaiters and everything so i've seen a number of these armies done for china and they really look great on the table that whole blue and white and they've got a couple of very odd and obscure armored cars that they used in china which once again just gives the force this really unique look and um I've seen one or two in tournaments, and they look really great.
0: Yeah, while you were talking, I looked up the models, and, yeah, they really do look different um, with the Brody helmets and the blue uniforms with uh, white. They, they're gaiters, not putees. Uh but, yeah, they they really don't look anything like anything you'd face in a Japanese army or, you know, you'd be used to facing a Japanese army. That's really cool. Um, yeah, Company B. Yep. There you go. Um, now, Wartime Miniatures, another Australian company. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about their range?
1: Yeah, they're kind of an honorable mention, I guess. Wartime Miniatures kickstarted a range about four years ago now, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. Really nice, really last range, large range with guns um, and a whole bunch of different infantry and sport weapons. Um, All metals, nice sculpts. Unfortunately, the company has been on hiatus for a while. The guy who runs it has been taking a break. Um, He does plan to come back from a couple of comments he's made, but when and if the range will be available again, don't know. Mm. But, look, if you see some packs of these, definitely worth picking up. They um, mix well in size with Warlord and Company B. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just a particularly their weapons. They got a re- did a really great range of weapons. And it's just a shame. You can't pick them up anymore. But you can still see pictures of the range, and if you can find them somewhere uh, or someone wants to move them on, grab them.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so many times we see those on buy, swap, sell groups, right, that, that people say, yeah, I have these, but they don't necessarily, you know, post pictures. Um, but if you hear of the wartime SNLF models, definitely worth checking out. I agree. They were great models. Um, pulp? figures uh i don't think i know these models pete can you talk to us a little bit about this
1: yeah once again um going into my uh pulp background uh it's a canadian company he makes a whole bunch of different pulp ranges and one of them is uh a japanese range that it is those early war figures in the british style uniforms um does some nice caps and helmets uh I mention them because he, there's a bunch of characters in there which look really great um, and just would he- mix well with uh, the Warlord figures and the Company B figures and they just allow you to put some characters literally into your force if you want to do have something a little bit different, you know, you, it, it's pulp. So you've got big flag-waving guys, big charging guys, you know, that sort of thing.
0: I have found these while you were talking. And again, yeah, this is the exact same uniform that we were talking about a second ago that Company B does. These look sensational. As you say, they're a little chunkier. Um, we talked about them before, but, mate, you could make a brilliant army out of these. Um, they have some in soft hats, some in helmets. Um, you have command models. You have machine guns. And there's a flag bearer. I think you could definitely do a lot with this. Um, you're going to be a, l- a little light on the ground with SMGs because everyone seems to be carrying a rifle, a pistol, or a sword uh, if going by <laughs> the the officers. Um, but if you're looking at the Japanese book, there aren't a lot of submachine guns in there anyway. So I think, yeah, you could absolutely make a cool army out of these. And now I'm staring at this range, Pete. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry,
1: we've got one, one of we've got a couple more distractions.
0: Oh, Jesus, I hope so. Um, now, for those keeping track at home, you will have noticed that we have hit the five major powers in bolt action. However, when we did the minor episode, we did not hit the two big minors. Uh, And there is a lot of ground left to cover. So uh, please stay with us for the next little bit while we dig into Italy and France. Um, Let's talk about Italy. I'm a big fan of those guys. Now, reserve troops. Um, Italians are well covered with a number of desert and European ranges available, Um, particularly since Warlord is about to release Plastic Italians. Yes! However, (laughs) if you want to do something different... Pete, talk to us about Empress, because they do a lot of great stuff, right?
1: They do. And I think we mentioned them in the minor powers range for a couple of things. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things they do is a Spanish Civil War range. And beneath that Spanish Civil War range, there's some Italian infantry. And why that is interesting, at least to me, was that, you know, when you read through – the uniforms of books and yeah, uh, sorry, the armies of books mm-hmm. with those uniform pictures. The one on the Italians has um, a Cis- Sicilian res- um, coastal defense troops, i.e. reserve troops. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is he's wearing um, the interwar Italian helmet, which is an Adrian style helmet, the French style helmet. And I just thought that looks really cool, an Italian with that helmet. So. After searching for a long time, I came across this range and because it's Spanish Civil War, it's a bunch of Italians wearing these um, interwar style helmets. So one of my armies in the lead queue is um, a Sicilian Coastal Defence Force with uh, some guns and a bunch of Italians in Adrian helmets. So I thought uh, someone else might want to see if they can beat me to getting it on the table.
0: They actually have some really nice artillery pieces, too. The Mouth of Madness um, heard that I was digging into Italians a while back and gifted me a little baggie of bits and pieces, um, including two Italian artillery pieces um, that are from Empress, and they are really nice models. So I highly recommend uh, from what I've seen, and I know that Lachlan mixed in um, some Empress models with his Italians way back when as well. Um, but let's talk about something that looks completely different for the Italians and and yeah, and really can give you an opportunity to field something really cool and different on the uh, bolt action tabletop if you're looking to do it. And that's the Ascari um, or Ascari. I, I never know how to quite pronounce that. Pete, um, let's talk about those colonial troops.
1: I think it's Ascari, but um, if anyone wants to write hate mail, it's, what, what's your email address, Brad?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am not saying that on this podcast. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, no. So, I mean, like pretty much all colonial powers, Italians recruited um, for local forces in Africa, which were went by the generic name of Ascari. Um in particular, the Italians used a lot of Ascari in um, Somalia and Libya and generally the East African campaign early in the war where 70% of the Italian forces were actually just locally recruited Askari Ascari. So if you want to do any sort of African-Italian um, force, throw in a couple of squads of Ascari to give it um, a unique look. Not surprisingly, one of the best places to find a number of options is Ascari miniatures.
0: Who would have thought? <laughs>
1: Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> so they actually make a couple of different distinctive Ascari types for Somalia, Libya, and um, uh, some Muslim-specific Ascari that the the Italians brought together. But also you can continue to go back to the Empress um, website. They have several very nice packs of Italian Ascari um, as part of their Italian colonial range. Um, which is mainly, once again, covers the sort of Somali conflict. But Empress, yeah, as you previously said, Brad, very nice sculpts, great place. If you're um, building an Italian force, you can get both your World War II Italians and some Ascari in there just to make something that looks different from everyone else.
0: Now, Brigade also do a five-man pack of Ascari... Oh, actually, I think they might do two Um, in their ends of the Earth range. uh, I'm looking here, and it says Iskari pack one, but it appears to be one of one. Uh, So if you're looking for Iskari troops in shorts, uh, Brigade in their ends of the Earth range uh, have you covered. Uh, And again, I've seen those in person, and those are really nice models, too. So, yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, Pete. Shall we move on to France? Now, colonial troops. Like the Italians, the French recruited many native uh, forces for colonial um, units. Following the fall of France, these colonial troops fought for both the Vichy and the Free French sides and ultimately would play a significant and uh, under-recognized role in the liberation of France, Italy, and Europe as a whole. Um, now, for those familiar with the olden uh, days of BoltAction.net, which is now the uh, Bolt Action Alliance, Patch had painted up, uh, and I actually I guess Brian did too, uh, many of these units, um, but let's talk about the one that always seems to get chins wagging, the Gumières. Now, the Gumières were recruited from French Morocco, and their post-fall of France loyalty to the Free French Forces was critical support of the Free French cause. Um, they fought in a number of conflicts. Um, Monte Cassino is one that's jumping to the, the forefront of my mind. Um, but these guys were super distinctive-looking. Peter, talk to us about what made them different and what makes these look awesome on the tabletop.
1: Um I, I don't mean any disrespect by this, but it's the bathrobes.
0: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. I was glad you said that. It's robes, right? Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean,
1: you know, that's probably the best way to describe it in you know, a non-visual medium. Um, go and look it up. But I mean, basically, they have um, robes which, uh, you know, have a hood attached to them. So, uh, but very distinctive in the sense that they've got um quite uh distinctive patterns, stripes, quite yeah. colourful. Um, and they, as you say, when painted up by the likes of Patch and Brian, mm-hmm. they they are just outstanding. Like they just make any force absolutely pop. And the artisan fortunately does four packs, three mm-hmm. uh, of infantry and one of a command, which is pretty much enough to do a force.
0: It is, and just like the Soviet Black Death Army, once you see a force of these on the tabletop, you know y- you stop dead. On the table, if you're walking through a big tournament and you're looking around at army after army, when you see one of those, it's visually striking. Like you really do, it's eye-catching. And again, though there are units, actually they do have a unit in the French book. So you would be painting yourself into a corner a little bit as far as listing opportunities goes, but thanks to the general nature of how listing works in bolt action anyway, you're going to have a lot of rifles, you're going to have some SMGs, and you're going to have an LMG here and there. So I think, um, as you say, with those three packs of uh, troops and the one command pack that Artisan makes, you could really easily kit out an entire army, especially if you wanted to reposition a few heads just to add a little variety. Man, this is still one of those forces that if I was comfortable painting stripes on uh wavy surfaces this would be the army for me i've been wanting to do these guys forever and there is just no no way i'm painting that um pete i'm gonna butcher this please tell us the t word next
1: (laughs) uh trelliers i think yes uh... Yes. So I mean this basically just the French version of Askaris. So these are these are troops that they recruited locally through their colonial empire. Um like the Goumiers, but Treliers was more a general term for any of their any of their empire forces. Um and they were particularly um, saw a lot of action with the Vichy in North Africa. So if you wanna build out a vichy force they're great to add to that but Mm -hmm. they fought on both sides um warlord again 10 man box uh and interestingly it it does include an lmg a rifle but also um a grenade rifle figure so um, one one of the joys of the french book is the uh, grenade rifle um perry miniatures of course uh does a great range of Senegalese Trilliers, a um, th- whole three packs. They do Command, MMG, Mortar, um, mainly as part, I think, for main, primarily for Vichy forces. Mm-hmm. And your last option is um, Crusader Miniatures, and they do, four again, four packs of Senegalese um, LMGs, rifles and rifle grenades again. So uh, you can really go to town on um, uh, kidding out a Trilliers force. Um, for North Africa and, once again, do something different. I often see one squad of these guys because they're tough fighters. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, look, I'd love to see a whole force of them one day.
0: And, again, they have the distinctive – they're red fezzes, right? I'm not making that up.
1: Yeah, the um, Senegalese, yes, have the red fezzes. yes. Yeah.
0: So, again, the the Senegalese version of these anyway. um, Again, visually striking. Um, where you see the French long coats um, with those red fezes, It makes for a visually striking army. that Yeah, it, it looks yeah. great on the tabletop. Um, well, yeah. you, Sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, matching them, Perry miniatures, also does um, French Vichy forces. So um, you can mix and match. You can do one or the other. But um, the Perry does, spe- I think they're the only people who does specific Vichy forces. I mean, you can paint up any French and call them Vichy, but... Mm-hmm the Perry's go that extra mile. It's quite, it's a dedicated range and it reflects the fact that the Vichy were continuing to use older style equipment um, just because they're often cut off from France and they didn't get much support from the Germans. So it's a really nice range and you mix in a couple of those trellia packs. And um, I think once again, a really distinctive
0: force. Exactly. Right. Um, Well, let's talk about French motorized troops uh, because between the the war of France re-establishing several uh, cavalry, quote unquote dragoon units as mechanized troops under the designation of dragoons, uh, was it Port- Portez?
1: I portes? think it's portes, but um-
0: yeah. <laughs> so uh, these, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, um, yeah, between the wars they like a lot of nations they started converting cavalry to, to motorized slash mechanized troops um, and uh, they gave them quite distinctive uniforms um, different from the normal French and so uh, for an early war force if you want to do something different besides an Adrian helmet with a big greatcoat, coat um, mm-hmm. doing these guys is a perfect way and They've got a bit of a bump recently. They've got a bit more of a profile because Crusader miniatures dropped a range, once again, I think about two, two and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. um, of these guys, and it's quite extensive. It's really very good.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of models, right?
1: Yeah, you've got infantry, command, support weapons, and I guess most importantly, what's attracted a lot of attention is they do um, packs of motorcycles for these guys. So they seem to have trouble keeping them on the shelves. They seem pretty popular.
0: That's awesome, man. I love it when uh, a company leans into a particular nation and really does give you the options to, to, to play it, at, you know, all the, uh, all the different units in that army. It's cool. Yeah, and it's 17 packs that Crusader makes. You know, often when we're talking through this list today, yeah, a company makes three or four packs or maybe five packs if you're really lucky. 17. Wow, you could really kid out an army with that um let's talk gaddis games because they also make models that work for these right
1: yeah so once again digging into their catalog as i've once i found them and tried to figure out what they do i have to say their website is terrible (laughs) They they make some nice minis but their website is terrible to use so it's taken me a while to actually find what they offer but um uh they do do within their french range they do a couple of interesting things and um one of them is packs several packs of those mechanized troops along with support weapons. So, um, it's a great place from everything I, I saw of the Gaddis miniatures a couple of weeks ago, they'd mix fine with Crusader. So between Crusader and Gaddis, I mean, you're more than covered if you want to do a distinctive early war French mechanized motorized force.
0: Sounds good. Well, I think that takes us to our last entry. I know it's been a bit of a marathon today, Pete, but why don't you take us out? Talk to us about French Alpine troops.
1: Yeah, so I thought I'd add this one just to finish with the big French berets. So the yes. Alpins. Alpines. Um, once again, apologies for butchering that, uh, but these are the guys with really, really big black berets. Like not just a beret, but a a huge beret um so love it they're, <laughs> they're known as the blue devils because they had these very distinctive blue uniforms along with their very big berets but um i kind of got interested in these guys because they actually it's a little known part of the beginning of the second world war but towards the end of the blitzkrieg the, the italians decided they wanted to join in the invasion of france um uh, just to say they were part of the Victor- Victoria side with the Germans. Um, so they tried to in- invade through the mountains um, and these um, chasseurs, chasseurs pretty much stopped them cold. I mean, it was brutal fighting and the Italians made very little progress against these guys. It was basically the fact that the, the Germans completely defeated the rest of the French army, which let the Italians off the hook. So these guys are an impressive force and they're one that I've, Thought about doing it on a number of occasions, and as I say, finally Gattis Gaming um, has made the Battle on His Ranges available again, and they do seven packs of these Alpine troops, uh, which include a number of support weapons um, and even um, guns like the 75 millimeter howitzer. So you can definitely do an Alpine force with uh, what Gattis is offering.
0: That's awesome. Now I initially thought when I was working through the notes for this, that you were going to say Gorgon miniatures. And then while we were talking, I looked them up. Because Gorgon makes French uh, Foreign Legion in Anoraks, and they also have ridiculously large berets. Um, But those are different. um, And we won't necessarily be covering French Foreign Legion today. However, if you're looking for a different-looking... French Foreign Legion Army. I know a lot of times people imagine French Foreign Legion in World War II in the desert. Um, I guess that that's just what people often do. If you're looking for a cold weather version, Gorgon Miniatures make some great models. And we talked about them in the Minor Powers. Um, and I, I did think that they were worth a mention. Pete, are we forgetting anything? I mean, we've we've kind of hit all the majors here, and it's taken two hours, but I think uh, we've given folks some ideas on where to find some cool models.
1: Well, I mean, I hope everyone has at least got one idea out of this, and I hope that uh, at least uh, some people are already planning on um, where to uh, misspend their money. <laughs>
0: I know what you're talking about, Pete. Uh, speaking of the Japanese pulp models, um, I think walking out of today, the three things I'm most excited about are, one, that Japanese pulp sailor range. Two, um, I'm very interested in the Gaddis uh, Alpine French troops. And now I really want to go look at those Crusader uh uh dragoon models and man you're a bad person pete because i've yet <laughs> of all my years i've yet to get a french army yeah
1: lots of lots of tempting stuff there my finger is poised over the nkvd and uh, like you the motorized french the drag the, the dragoons so um but so many things already in the uh the
0: lead pile <laughs> in the kitty uh, yeah
1: <laughs> I'm managing to hold fire at the moment.
0: Yeah, I I still have that. Um, I, I bought the not um, a Romanian army uh, a year ago, and I've yet to pull those out of the box. So I, I'm I'm holding fast at the moment, but I do have uh, quite a quite a few Italians that are base coated, washed and the first level of uh, highlights have been put on them. They just have three more levels to go, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to field a desert Italian force. I just need to muster the courage to uh, sit down and really hammer those out. But I guess that's the, the subject of a podcast for another day. Pete, thank you so much for helping me to compile this list today. Um, For those who are wondering, we are reading off of notes, a little more static notes than perhaps usual uh, on this podcast. I tend to freeform a lot of things, work from an outline. But Pete put in a monumental amount of work and put together the most comprehensive list of models I've ever seen uh, and emailed it to me and asked, uh, you know, He's like, oh, yeah, is this okay? And I looked at it and went, that includes everything on my list and then way more. So, Pete, I have to doff my hat to you as always. You were absolutely the perfect guest for this episode. Thank you so much for all your hard work. And ladies and gentlemen, if you see Pete West anywhere near a bar at one of these events, please buy him a beer or a beverage of his choice because um, the hard work that he's put forward in this episode is deserving of that. And the Minor Powers as well. Seriously, Pete, thank you so much. It's, it's been an amazing amount of work.
1: Thank you, Brad. Much appreciated. And if anyone wants to go back and check any of those references without actually going back and listening to the whole episode, um, all the information in the Minor Powers episodes and this episode is up on uh, my website, uh, which is a new venture I've leapt into. And the website is Bolt, Bolt Action. so B O L T. ALT action, all one word. So if you want to find any of these links or just refresh your memory about any of the things we've mentioned, it is all there.
0: I'm so glad you jumped to that segue because that was literally my next talking point. Pete, what else can they find at that website? Because that is, I mean, there is a significant list of resources on that website that you are not mentioning. Um, you're just mentioning one document out of many. You have tons of alternative or additional army lists uh, for bolt action. Uh, some of them have made their way into bolt action books officially, but you're, you've posted the early original versions of those lists. But there are tons of alternative lists, both that you have written and other people have written. Um, there are mission packs. Tell us what else people can find there, because this is a hell of a find. It's bolt alt is that right yep
1: bolt alt action all one word so b-o-l-t-a-l-t action all one word so it started out as just a place it was meant to be one page just to um drop my um alternative army list that i do as some people know i've released mm-hmm. um, an army list for denmark one for bulgaria and um most recently i put out one for croatia uh but you know, as I was building, I thought, oh, be, people would probably find this useful and that useful, and oh, I've got all this information I gathered for this podcast with Brad about minor powers. and So it just kept growing and growing, but there's a bunch of resources on there now, as I say, minis, uh, information, there's information on 3D printing sources, um, which we haven't touched on today, so mm-hmm. if you're looking for any 3D prints to support any of these armies, um, and as Brad said there's a bunch of resources which I've just gathered from places, so um, scenario lists, painting guides, anything I thought people might find useful. So, and I and I do actually run a news blog there as well, so I just try and keep up to date, particularly on stuff that's happening for minor powers, but really any news that's of relevance to Bolt Action. So, um, hope people find it useful, and if you've got any ideas, uh, drop me a line.
0: If for some reason you're having trouble finding it, and it's Bolt, Alt, Action, B-O-L-T, A-L-T, Action, please go to the Cast Eyes Facebook page. Um, find the this episode. Uh, there will be a post for it. There always is for every episode. And then if you look adjacent to that post there will be a post where i post the actual link to that website so you can find it and uh, guys i was blown away when i looked at this website it reminded me of the glory days bolt action.net it is awesome highly worth checking out i recommend you guys do pete again thank you for all your hard work man because not only is this list comprehensive but your work on that website is is a thing of beauty man thank you
1: no problem appreciate it
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening too. It has been uh, two hours and we have gone through a very comprehensive list, as I've said multiple times. Um, If we've missed something uh, that you think is noteworthy, that you think that I should post through the Cast Ice page that people should see, Uh, I know that people get really uh, passionate about particular ranges of models. Uh, We did not Intentionally leave any out. There's just a lot out there. Um, If you feel like you your particular favorite's been hard done by, please message Cast Dice C A S T D I C E on Facebook. Uh, If you send us a message, you're guaranteed reply by me. Hi, my name is Brad. Um, Just remember that I am in Australia and I am working a lot, so I may not get to you right away. But you're usually guaranteed a response within 12 hours at the absolute latest. I guess that's about it, Pete. Um, Thank you again, and uh, I guess as our buddy Casey always says, when you're playing the games that we know and love, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night.